0: coming in June. Hi, it's Dr. G. And after two plus years and about 140 episodes of hosting the Menopause Movement podcast, I've had a revelation. You know, this podcast is about more than just menopause. We talk about mindset, building wealth, creating habits, discussing life hacks, and so much more. So it's time to move forward from menopause and into being more. As you've probably heard me say many times, menopause is not a medical condition that requires treatment. It's the privilege of a long life and it gives us the opportunity to launch something new. To that end, I wanna help in more ways than just menopause. Welcome to the Launch Your Life with Dr. G Podcast. It's the only mindset podcast that provides weekly actionable insights for lasting happiness and change specifically created for high achieving professionals who are ready to bounce back and prevent burnout. We're still going to have awesome guests. We'll still talk about the menopause things that, that women want to know about, but we're going to focus on mindset Now, why you might be asking. You know, because we live our entire lives in our minds, and the faster and more efficiently we can make it a happy place, the better our lives will be. Life is a series of adventures, and we can launch our next phase and create 1% improvements together. I'm honored to be on this journey with you. And I can't wait to bring you all of the awesome guests for this new podcast. Welcome back to the menopause movement podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Gordon. And today we are joined by Makosi Candace Pitts. Makosi is on a mission to help high achievers in the spiritual closet, navigate the changes of spiritual awakening in order to uncover their purpose, freedom, fulfillment, and manifest limitless prosperity. By utilizing various spiritual gifts like direct communication with the ancestors and spirits, spiritual sight, and hearing, energy healing, divination, prophecy, trance, and bending of reality, she assists others to uncover who they really are and break through the blocks, keeping them from reaching their full potential. Mikosi spent three years traveling back and forth between the U.S. and West Africa in initiation into the Dogon culture. Changing the paradigm of her perspective about life and spirituality, as well as studying the knowledge of ancient Egypt. In the following year, she was led by her ancestors through her dreams and synchronicities to complete a series of seven initiations, tests, and trials in South Africa to become a fully initiated Sangoma uh, or a Zulu shaman. Not everyone who begins this training finishes, some people even die in the process. One doesn't choose to become a shaman. A shaman is chosen by the spirit world before birth. It is only through a spiritual awakening and a specific illness that one is called to remember their life's purpose. After obtaining bachelor's degrees in business and marketing while preparing for medical school, she soared to the top 1% of consultants in a $250 million direct sales company in only nine months. At the top, her world was shattered as she realized what society defines as success was not fulfilling, and there had to be something she was missing in the big picture. This experience led to her passion to help others struggling at the top of their game find the freedom and fulfillment they are seeking. She delivers ancient wisdom in a modern way to resonate with people from all walks of life by applying fundamental spiritual truths to help high achievers consciously create satisfying success in the real world. The wisdom she shares is all-inclusive, non-religious, and practical. Her clients walk away with a completely different perspective of their life and the world and obtain the tools they need to be happy, successful, and fulfilled spiritual beings having a human experience. Interestingly enough, she says that one of her clients said that she was the Google Translate of spirituality. Now, during the interview, we discussed Mikosi's infertility journey, her brief encounter with menopause, how hormone imbalances affected her pregnancy, the importance of detaching from outcome to achieve desired results, which is so important when we talk about this in the menopause movement membership so much about how to detach from outcome, because when we do that, we're able to actually focus on our processes. We talk about the definition of shaman and how that without a cultural context, it's almost impossible to define. How spiritual gifts are available to anyone, but not all are called to the path of the shaman. We talk about the importance of gratitude in everyday life. And then we discuss the questions people are asking before they come to Makosi, the primary one being, why am I so unfulfilled? We discuss the definition of purpose, why it's important, and how it's impossible to think yourself to a purpose. Now at the end of the episode, make sure you visit drmichellegordon.com podcasts. That's D-R-Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E, Gordon, dot ncom slash podcast, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S. Don't forget the S or you won't get there. You can find the show notes plus the links to the books and resources mentioned in the episode. Now, if you enjoy the episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you're always the first to know when each episode is released. And thank you so much for all the five-star reviews. We appreciate them so much. And if you have any questions about the topics covered in this or any of the other podcasts, I invite you to open a conversation with me on Instagram at Dr. Michelle Gordon. That's D-R-M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-G-O-R-D-O-N. And I promise I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Now let's go on to the interview with Mikosi. Thanks so much for being a part of the menopause movement. So Mikosi, thanks so much for joining the menopause movement podcast. I'm excited to have you here. Thank you for having me. So I want to hear your hormone story. You said that you've had like hormone issues, so
1: let's let's go ahead and start with that. Oh my gosh, where to even begin with that? <laughs> um, <laughs> I swear, I've been having um, hormonal issues since I started my cycle at like ten. You were ten years old, old when
0: you started your period. Yeah, yeah. Wow, very young.
1: 13. That's really young. Yeah, ten was so so young, and almost yeah. immediately I started having issues with endometriosis polycystic ovaries. I've dealt with many, many challenges over my life. Probably when I started to notice that things were really out of whack, my husband and I, at the time we went, we were engaged. So this was probably eight or nine years ago. And I was having cysts on my ovaries all the time, ended up in the hospital, having all the challenges with different types of um, birth control. And the doctor told me, he was like, listen, I, your, your mom was my patient, so I know where you're headed. And he was like, if you all want to have children, you probably need to go ahead and start that because you have a very limited window here. He's like, your, your fertility is not going to last.
0: You're talking about, um, you had your period at 10. You got, uh, you, you immediately started having issues with endometriosis, poly, you had polycystic ovarian disease, and you were told by your doctor that uh, you had some fertility, you may have some fertility issues and that it was time. So how old were you when you were told this?
1: Uh, let's see, maybe 22. Wow. Very young. Yeah, so did you have children right away? Um, I tried for over a year to get pregnant. And during that time, I was like doing all of the things. <laughs> so I, you know, I got off of birth control and I was taking prenatal vitamins and in- intentionally trying to get pregnant. And I did end up having a miscarriage during that time. I'm sorry. And it, it was so, so challenging. And so um, he started me on Lupron injections. And I was like, I, I think I did it for three months. And I was like, these hot flashes are killing me. <laughs> these hot flashes are killing me. I'm, my, my mood is all over the place. I, I, I can't take it. So he said, well, the last option is we need to do laparoscopic surgery in order to remove some of the endometriosis and, and Also stimulate your your ovaries to ovulate because I wasn't ovulating. Okay. At this time, were you overweight? Um, I was a little bit overweight, not much. Um, I was Mm -hmm. probably maybe twenty pounds overweight. Okay. Did try to lose weight? Yeah, Yeah. I was doing metformin at that time as well. So you
0: diagnosed with diabetes type two, or was that because of the polycystic ovarian disease? Because of the PCOS, yeah.
1: Okay. So, right. did you
0: also notice just just to ask you because one of the things that happens to women who have PCOS is they can get her suit, and what that means is that there's hair in like all over the place. So, did you have that problem too?
1: I've never had it as bad as they say that you can have it. Even still to this day, though, I I've always had like. A patch of hair on my stomach that's probably darker than normal. Little hairs that pop up on my chin, you know, every oh, just, now. Just and wait then. for
0: menopause to really hit. <laughs> let me tell you about chin hairs.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, got, I got a mustache hairs. now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, also, I had a had a mustache as well. I say had. I still do. I, you know, I just take care of it every week or so. But mine uh, was never. I'm just as plucking as- every single day.
0: Every day, man, I'm in there. Ugh. Another chin hair, another mustache hair. It's crazy. And they get wiry. Yeah. They, they start out like it's like soft and it's no big deal. And then out of the blue, they, like they feel like a man's face. And it's like, no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think what's worse is if you have just like a little bit of, of fuzz, it's not as bad. It's when you get those really long ones and you're like, wait a minute, how did I miss this? Like, no. For- and like, I had this like- one hair on the
0: side of my face, it was like long and bald, but it was like this, you know, it was like blonde and it was like this long. I'm like, what the heck? And I, you know, pulled it out. <laughs> Thankfully it never came back, but
1: <laughs> it's like- Oh my gosh, I have one like that, but it's on, like on my, uh, on my chest. Yeah. And it, I, call, I call it my wing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. So you can fly off like an angel. yeah super sexy so so (laughs) you had so
0: you had laparoscopic surgery then
1: yeah so I had um well actually I did not so they scheduled I got off the Lupron and they scheduled a surgery I ended up in the hospital again with another cyst Uh, this this time it was one of the blood-filled cysts so I was in the hospital for like three days yeah and apparently some things happened (laughs) Around that time, some magical ovulation happened at that time. So I ended up having the or I was scheduled to have surgery a couple of weeks later, and I go in, you know, I'm, I'm getting prepped for surgery. The anesthesiologist comes in and talks to me, and they were like, "Oh, yeah, we have to do a pregnancy test before we take you back." And I was like, "Well, that's ridiculous. I've been trying to get pregnant for over a year, and I've been having all of these struggles there's no way I'm pregnant. Well, mm-hmm. time for my surgery comes and goes. Then another hour passes, then another hour passes. And I'm like, where the heck is my doctor? Like, why am I still sitting here? And so he comes in and he's got this huge grin on his, on his face. And he's like, listen, I ha-, he's like, I had to wait until all of my surgeries were done because I had to be the one to come in here and tell you that you're pregnant.
0: Oh, wow. And how long ago was that?
1: Yeah. So that was, my son is what, seven? So that was 2012. Okay. That's so great. So it's been seven years. Yeah. Uh, it was very challenging though, because I still had hormonal issues. My progesterone was super low. So uh, my body kept trying to miscarry. I was on bed rest six, out, six months out of my pregnancy, taking progesterone in the hospital. My son ended up coming early because of that.
0: Did they give you it, steroids?
1: You know what? I don't remember.
0: I mean, usually, usually when we have um, uh, premature babies and we know that they're going to come early, we give steroids to help mature the lungs. How early was he? Well, no, I,
1: he was only like like we literally got right to the thirty seven week mark. Oh, okay. Um, so he was very yeah. easily viable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So oh, I didn't have lungs. to go through that. I was, um, but I, they did have me in the hospital for a couple days before that thirty seven week. Mark. Did they they induce you? You can just, yeah, I ended up being induced. Um, I think actually they let me out of the hospital right at that 37 mark. I was home for like a couple days and then I started having contractions and uh, ended up in the hospital in labor, but it wasn't moving along fast enough. So they gave me Pitocin.
0: Yeah, I think everybody gets Pitocin nowadays. Yeah. So you had a natural
1: delivery? No, oh, had no. the cord ended up being, yeah, I had, had emergency okay. C-section because the cord was wrapped around.
0: So what's, what's really interesting here is you've, you've lived quite uh, an interesting life up until you you know, you've gone through a lot of things that a lot of the menopausal women you know, who listen to this podcast have gone through, I mean, endometriosis, you probably had really painful periods. I can relate to that. I had super painful periods. I never had polycystic ovarian disease, but many women do. And one of the biggest issues with polycystic ovarian disease is, you know, conception and and getting those follicles to go to the right place. And then I'm sure you're not the only woman in the world who's ever had a miscarriage and that, that can be devastating. And so it seems like, you know, you really bounce back from that and you're able to kind of get over that emotionally. And, um, and then after the lat lupron and getting, getting scheduled for your surgery, uh, even though you had hormonal imbalances, you were still able to bring your son uh, into the world, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, energetically, What did you do to prepare yourself for pregnancy? Because one of the one of the things that that I've I've seen over and over as I've gone more into uh, studying metaphysical the metaphysical side, and we're gonna get on that because you're a shaman, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're gonna get into that too. But one of the things is that is that if if we're constantly in a state of stress. As a woman who's trying to get pregnant, we are never, our bodies are going to say no because we're too much in a state of stress. And if we think back to, um, you know, hunter-gatherer times, you know, as the human species e- evolved, you know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't get pregnant in times of, of leanness. We'd have to, you know, you have to have abundance. And you have to be able to get your brain into a place where, you know, as, as the meditators would say, like a theta state, out of beta into theta. But... Mm-hmm. <laughs> So I'd like to know how you, did you consciously manage your energy back in 2012?
1: Yeah. So before, back in 2012, I definitely, I was not a shaman. That was never even on the horizon. That was not a thought ever, but I was fairly health conscious at the time. I had been trying to manage my weight using natural methods And I was really adamant about wanting to have a very stress-free, relaxed experience through the birth. So even before I got pregnant, I was already kind of shifting into that mind frame. I can say that for me, I definitely think that being stressed was what was blocking me from ovulating. It wasn't until I essentially just relaxed. And I was, you know, whatever, whatever's out there, universe, God, whatever you call it. I was like, I completely surrender. If I have a child, I would be so blessed and so grateful and so happy for that. But if it doesn't happen for me, I know that my life will still, my life will still be full in other, in other ways. And so it was when I detached from it having to happen, you know, that was literally when it happened two weeks before my (laughs) surgery. Wow.
0: So we talk a lot in in my membership, uh, the menopause movement membership, we talk a lot about the importance of detaching from outcome. And we have some, uh, some exercises around that because without, without going too much into it, the magic happens when we detach. And we focus on the process. And, you know, whatever that mm-hmm. process is, you know, the process of getting pregnant isn't so horrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <You know?
1: laughs> well, the only the only part that wasn't great was, you know, trying to manage it. That part's not as fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, I need to we we need to get busy on this day. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny because I um
0: I'm I'm one of these people who um uh you know the, the People who, who have infertility issues, they, they don't like people like me because I went off the pill and I was pregnant in two weeks. Oh my and, gosh. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was a completely different thing for me because I had all these identity issues and, and stuff that we don't have to go into, but I wasn't even sure that, that I had all the female parts. And, uh, and so it was, wow. it was really interesting for me to actually, you know, all of a sudden now be carrying a child um, in my stressful state. So I was, you know, mm-hmm. I was in college and pretty stressed. But uh, at the end of the day, detaching from the outcome is is always the best way to to get stuff done. So fast Absolutely. forward, and now you're a shaman. So before we get into like that story, uh, I'd like because I don't even actually know what is the definition of a shaman.
1: Oh, that's a really good one. And I've I've done a few videos on this because. There's a lot of misunderstanding about who or what a shaman is. Yeah, um, I, I, I've actually Googled it <laughs> just to see what people think. And well, Google is even, the, you know the,
0: the the world's leading authority on everything bullshit, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so so you may not you may not even you know as a physician, right? I'm a I'm a practicing surgeon. And, um, you know, every once in a while, I get somebody who comes in with, you know, they'll have a, some stack of papers like <laughs> this, right? It's like, okay, this is what Google says. And I'm like, okay, well, do you want to go to Dr. Google? Because I, I'm not Dr. Google, right? And, um, and, you know, I just like, I spent 15 years of my life learning how to do this. And, and so, but you're, you're welcome to go to Dr. Google. He's down the street. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, we'll uh, you have know. him
1: come into the room <laughs> yeah they'll
0: they'll probably they'll probably uh, edit out the bullshit but <laughs> but it, it's true I mean but, but I'll say that Google is uh is truly you know the 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 world's leading authority on all things baloney but also a lot of really good uh information and you know you, th- you think think back you know you probably you're just 30 years old now 30 something 32 mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, 30. Uh, yeah, okay, so uh, 30 years ago, um, I was 25, and so I remember life before Google, and life before Google was encyclopedias, and the Dewey Decimal System, and a lot mm-hmm. of time in the library, and so even though Dr. Google is not my friend, I still love the fact that if I can't remember something, all I have to do is Google it, so
1: it is yeah, kind of cool. absolutely. <clears throat> but anyway, back is, to what a shaman is. Nice. is. <laughs> Yeah, so in, in Google, you can, um you know, or even dictionary.com, look up what a shaman is. Yeah. And the problem is, is that there's no cultural context to understand what a shaman is. So uh-huh. if you're looking from the west, and you are looking at some words on a screen, what I see happening a lot is people automatically put uh. A shaman into a box or really we do this with any label really or mm-hmm. any identity we don't have to get into all that but
0: well people we know think- we, we can't talk about the fact that that we only we we could only really understand things within our own you know and 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 we know that the magic happens outside the box but not everybody understands that and so we're only going mm-hmm. to see the world through the filter of of the box that we have but for me, not having ever met a shaman before, I've only read about Shah Shah people, mm-hmm. you know, so, so it's, and, and, you know, I mean, I've, I've studied a fair amount of Native American history and Australian uh, Aboriginal history and, um, but not, not so much, uh, any of the, of the African nations. I don't understand that side, but I've read the, mm-hmm. you know, the native American side of things, but I still, that doesn't mean I understand it. I've never been to, you know, like a peyote ceremony or an ayahuasca ceremony or, or even psilocybin, not my thing. So, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, at the, at the core, I mean, in a, in a definition sense, there is like certain gifts, you know, certain spiritual abilities that are, to, uh, that are prescribed to a shaman. So a lot of people call themselves shaman because they have these spiritual gifts. The spiritual gifts are kind of like the byproduct. They are not actually what a shaman is. You can have the spiritual abilities and spiritual gifts and not be a shaman. And in what a lot of people don't understand is in our indigenous systems, any of our ancestral practices, there are many different types of we'll call them like spiritual healers in a community but the shaman's role is to be the essentially they are the bridge between the physical and the spirit plane they are the one who communicates between the two realms so they can act on behalf of well, and, you know an individual in the community trying to heal spiritually, but then they also are charged with the community's welfare and so that's where you see things like shamans that can bring rain and you know foresee certain events that may affect the community and so you know maybe the tribe needs to move, and the shaman would be the one who has that responsibility. It is essentially a role of um, leadership and and service in one.
0: I love that. And, and, you know, it's so funny because, um, I, I'm sure you've heard of, uh, Paramahansa Yogananda, right? Have you on mm-hmm. a biography of a Yogi, this guy here? So yeah, I've read it, I haven't
1: read it, but I have heard of him.
0: So I, I, I'm reading the lessons because he resonated with me and they're only 90 bucks. So I just bought them and they come every couple of weeks. But what's really interesting, he talks about in, um, in this, he talks about the third eye, right? We know the third eye right here, right? As mm-hmm. uh, the doorway. And what he says is that it's, a and, and this is the reason I'm bringing this up is because I think that, that a shaman and a yogi are probably the same thing. In, in, if we're looking at definitions, right? And in this mm-hmm. super mirror, the developed yogi can infallibly perceive the past, present and future destinies of all people, including himself and the cosmos. You know, when I when I read that, I wrote, well, what is the path to becoming a developed yogi? Was my first question. And secondly, do I want to see this? Because do I wanna see what's gonna happen for me or anybody I love or anybody else in the past, present and future um, and you know when you start getting into the metaphysics of everything because of because of quantum mechanics there there is no time right, and things can happen instantly right and and we can we can influence our past selves we can influence our future selves right from this present moment which which is really you know I'm sure anybody who who you know is watching this and doesn't want to believe I'm a surgeon, I'm wearing scrubs, I really am a surgeon but but I don't talk like a surgeon because I study this you know, metaphysical stuff. And um, I was an atheist for a really long time, but I'm not anymore because I've you know, ended up on a spiritual path. But so, so I, don't think it's, I don't think there's a lot of difference between what a yogi is and what a shaman is. I think it's just cultural. Again, we go back to the, what the cultural significance is, right? So the yogis come out of primarily India and shamans come out of almost everywhere else.
1: Mm-hmm. would you agree well with that I, I think there is I, I think there's some similarities and then some differences mm-hmm. i do think that for a for a yogi anyone if they decided if they made the decision could become a yogi could walk that path and develop themselves everyone has the ability to develop their spiritual gifts the yeah. spiritual gifts are not what make a shaman a shaman They are not what make the yogi the yogi. It's the path. So a shaman, the the main difference that I see in all of the different um, cultures around the world, because you can find shamans by some name all over the world, and actually there are even different types of shamans. There are multiple different types of shamans, even in one culture. But a shaman is born To become a shaman, we don't have a choice, really. For us, it's like, well, we have a choice, but you're on the path to death. Essentially, we have to deal with death in order to be in this in this role. And kind of the common thread that we see is also a there's a certain type of uh, we call it the calling sickness. There's a certain illness that manifests when it's time for someone who has to become a shaman to, to do that. And we don't have option, really. Like, you can decide not to become a yogi if you're like, eh, eh maybe I don't want to do that. Maybe I just want to practice a little bit here. Um, we, as shamans, we don't have really a choice. It's so funny you mentioned, you know, that, that you're a surgeon, et cetera, et cetera. I was pre-med in college. Uh-huh. And... I started like literally when I graduated from college and all I had to do was take my MCAT and I had just had my son at that time. And I was like, I don't know why. And of course I was already sick. i I had the calling sickness starting at like age 15. Um, so this is I your PCOS? No, the calling sickness manifests for me as an undiagnosable, Illness, so ended up in and out of the hospital all the time. They said, "Oh, it's fibromyalgia." Oh no, it's this. They diagnosed me with a rare immune uh, deficiency uh, called CVID, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, schizophrenia, just a bunch of different things. They could not figure out what was actually wrong with me. I would be up all night screaming, um, and of course, I was having spiritual experiences from a very Young age combined with that, um, interacting with the spirits, interacting with the dead, etc. And whenever I left college and decided that I was not going to go to medical school, it was very shortly after that, maybe a year and a half after that event, no, two years after that, that my spiritual journey kicked in. And it's so interesting to me that you mentioned that because I do see that there are a lot of people who are very intellectual beings who are now crossing into the spiritual plane and trying to make sense of all of that and be able to apply it in a really, really practical way and so yeah. i love what you're doing i think it's
0: yeah it's it's well you know i mean at the end of the day it's really hard you it's really hard to um you know pray away appendicitis right and 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 right. in surgery we uh you know we have this little saying and it's like we heal with steel it's you know so um it, it there there are, there are certain things that that it you know require intervention you know at the same time i think that we have people, this the plastic surgeon Maxwell Maltz, who wrote uh, Cyber Cyber Cyber, cyber Psycho Cybernetics, which is, if you haven't read that book, it's a really great book on working with your mind. So he was a plastic surgeon and he would, um, you know, people would come in with, you know, some sort of a disfigurement and he would fix it, or they would come in with a perfectly normal face and think that they needed to fix something. And so throughout this book, he talks about how the mind is super powerful. And throughout my journey over the last few years, it's it's really going back to the the power of the subconscious mind and the power of how we think and how we speak to ourselves that really makes our lives what what they are, right? And so um, if I'm going to look in the mirror every time and say you're a fat pig, then I am going to be a fat pig. If I'm going to look in the mirror every time and see that I need to lose some weight, but I still love this body and it can do so many amazing things and so much more than I let it do when I was in my twenties, then you know, and so I think everything is about, is is the matter of how we shift our our perspective and what the perspective is. And so we're all on a spiritual path, whether whether we want to believe it or not. So even the most ardent atheist uh, is on their own spiritual path, you know, figuring out the meaning of life and through whatever iteration of their life that they'll end up, everybody ends up back at God everybody ends up back at God. And, and right. these are just this, these are just truths. And it's, it's, it's things that I didn't think I would ever say. When I was in high school, I was like a crazy Jesus freak. And uh, my, my, my friends make fun of me, you know, from when I was in high school. And then, um, and then I kind of slipped away from it, because the, the church didn't treat me well, I'm, I'm married to a lady. And that's, you know, automatically, you know, rejection, right there. Because yeah. of uh, because p- people seem to care about you know sexual identity for whatever reason, but but when I it was when I just saw that there's always availability of something bigger. There's there's a whether you call it God or whether you call it energy or whether you call it universe or whatever whatever it is, you know the world that we live in is something that we've created, and that we have the the uh, the ability and the opportunity. To change everything, just based on how we see things.
1: Absolutely. You know, it's so interesting too that you bring up, you know, this kind of underlying truth that that is like when we when we pass on, all of us we move on to the other side. Whatever you want to call it, we all move on to the other side. This is not a permanent state that we're in. This physical body, not a permanent. Uh, a permanent state. So, um, it's interesting because I, um, I do in my healing practice or whatever you want. It's more of a spiritual. Um, I'm more of a spiritual teacher and I work with people of all backgrounds, Christians, atheists, even, um, (laughs) Muslims, Jews, like, every single background, I have absolutely no issues working with them because as long as I know what your language is, right. Mm -hmm. Even if your language is science, I spent a lot of time studying science, physics, quantum physics, the, the, the sciences in general and business as well, because I've been in, I've been a business owner for seven years now, six or seven years. And, um, I, Just, um, one of my clients said, you're like the Google translate of spirituality. (laughs) And if you know someone's language, (laughs) you know, their language, you can translate spiritual concepts that can be applied into their life in a way that they understand. Yeah. What we are missing right now, though, a lot in self help, personal development, spirituality, whatever you want to call it, what we are missing is that application, the integration, the embodiment, um, the empowerment aspect, because we love to be so philosophical and think that we are so smart and (laughs) keep everything in our head, but have a hard time applying it.
0: There's a, there's like a whole, you know, there's a whole school of, um, of people, you know, intellectuals who think that the mind is everything. And I have to admit that back in my thirties, I thought that it was the mind. Everything was everything. And then I had this little boy who was perfect, who got a brain tumor uh, or whatever. He had like a, had some sort of a weird cancer and his brain was affected. You know, he had to have radiation and chemo and I had to really look at all my beliefs around that and, and you know, was he still perfect now that his brain has been damaged? And, and you know, and I'm happy to say he's still alive and, and, um, and doing well, but, you know, he's, he's different than he was when he was born, because he went through an illness. And what's really interesting, because I'm looking back at this, you know, I'm sure that this, this version of me, my, you know, my 55-year-old me was supporting my 30-year-old me saying, it's going to be okay, you know, it's going to be okay, mm-hmm. you're going to get through this. At that time, I didn't really look for a spiritual practice, I just survived every day. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I mean, it would talk about stress, you know. Right. I smoked, right? <laughs> you know
1: that, like that, was the way you were coping with it. And yeah, and we do have this idea too that there has to be a spiritual practice, and um, practices are helpful. You know, meditation is helpful, um, healing frequencies, taking, um, you know, doing ceremony or ritual, um, those sorts of things. They can be very helpful to that, that person. Um, However, I think that the best spiritual practice is how you are living your life. Who you're being. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I started asking this question way back, I would say back in May, I started asking myself every morning, who am I going to be today?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And um, back in May, I didn't really care that much, you know, And, and so I, uh, especially when it came to like my body, I wasn't exercising the way I should be. I wasn't eating the way I was should I should be. And I've shared this on my Facebook Lives that from the end of May through, I would say October, maybe September, I gained like 20 pounds. It's like my clothes didn't fit. I had to go buy new clothes. I was at a conference in California, I had to go out and go to Kohl's and buy some clothes because my clothes didn't fit. And was like, oh no, what did I let myself, you know, how did I let this happen? Who was I being? And you know, and I and I actually observed myself eating the wrong foods and saying, "Well, I want this satisfaction right now," and um, and so I've taken a complete 180 since um, I would say the beginning of last month or so, and um, you know, and 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 the weight. I mean, at my age, the weight comes off a little slower, so it's been you know, it's been a slow five pounds, but but it's coming off, right? So. So now I have 15 pounds to go to get back to where I was back in May. Um, <laughs> mm. but, but the point I'm making is that, is that, you know, every morning when I get up, I won't get out of bed until I'm, I'm grateful, grateful okay. for the day, grateful to be alive, grateful to be taking breath. And um, that has changed kind of everything, my, my, the way I interact with people, the way I do my job, the way I do everything, finding a place to have gratitude.
1: That's yeah, that by itself can be so impactful. I, I think that people don't realize that at any given time, the life that you're living at this present moment, and of course, present is constantly changing. It is only the sum of not just what you experienced, but how you chose to perceive, What you experienced, and you're experiencing now the physical manifestation of that. So, (laughs) whenever I um, am working with a new client, taking someone in, what we'll notice very early on is they feel this misalignment, right? Like, how did I get here? And why is this not making me happy? Why am I unfulfilled? And when we really start to take things apart, Most of the time, they have been, they were being a version of themselves that was not true to who they really are, to their authentic self, to their higher self, who they were born to be, who they were uniquely encoded to be on this planet. They've instead decided to be, up until this point, who they thought they should be rather than what was really in alignment. And then that's when we find ourselves in crisis. That's
0: true. And, and, you know, you do talk about, we talk about alignment a lot. We talk about this in the menopause movement membership as well about, you know, purpose and fulfillment. And, um, and we, we have exercises that help women kind of get through and figure out where they are and why they're where they are. And, and to get into alignment with, with our purpose, our sole purpose, and whatever that message is, is it, it's super powerful. And it's so fulfilling once you do, because, you know, oftentimes what happens, especially, you know, now this is, again, this is the menopause movement podcast. So we're dealing with women who are in, in menopause. Most of them have uh, children that are grown. uh, So they're empty nesters, maybe in a second career and um, you know, they're, they're feeling like, why did an alien beam down and take control of my body? And and you had an mm-hmm. experience only for three months, but you had an experience of a menopause-like thing where, you know, you were moody and you were sweating and you weren't sleeping and, and you know, weight was probably pouring on and you kept craving food. And like, wh- wh- why? Why am I craving food? Why can't I stop eating? And and these yeah. are these are the problems that women have in menopause. And just a simple awareness practice, just a simple awareness practice can help, like, mitigate so many of the symptoms and we're not
1: taught that. I think, I I think too, like for anyone and, you know, I, I do, I do deal with people of all different, different ages as well. And specifically with menopause, I'm not in menopause, but you know, I've ever since my son was born, um, not quite testing for um early menopause, but close to it. And so I've been having hot flashes and this, mm-hmm. that and the other and and um uh, been going down that route for some years now. Yeah, for you um, that's called premature flash ovarian. Right now.
0: <laughs> premature ovarian failure uh is Fail. what it's called in your failure, age. Failure, right? yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um I have you know had that experience and Sometimes what I've noticed is that when we have these physical challenges, you know, you were also talking about the, the challenges that your son was having. We have to understand that the mind is not the only part of us that is manifesting this life that we're living. And so we have to understand and um, allow our perspective to shift to, if the mind is not the only aspect of me, if my higher self, if my spirit is also participating in this manifestation, what experiences did my own spirit want me to have by going through this challenge? And if you are a woman, period, if you are a woman and you chose to come here as a woman, we don't have to go into whether or not your spirit is, is feminine or not, but your physical body was chosen for a reason. And so even with something like menopause, which is a common thread between women, right? It's like a natural thing that we eventually experience.
0: Yeah, I like to call a, it the, the privilege of-, of a long life.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like a certain right... It's a certain rite of passage, right? In its own right. Yes, exactly. Um, So we have to look at what is it that my spirit wanted me to learn, or what can I choose to learn? If you don't even want to see it that way, you can say, What do I choose to take away from this experience rather than looking at it like, oh, I hate this. I can't wait for it to be over. This is miserable. Yes, it is all those things. However, <laughs> there it doesn't are- have to
0: be. I mean, actually, you it know, one of the doesn't. biggest, one of the biggest fallacies I have, you know, that, that, that women in menopause have is that, is that they have to suffer through it. And, you know, we, we, in the, in the membership and in the course, we teach, we teach women how to love their lives where they are. And that's, that's, you know, such a, such an important, important thing is to be where you are and to love it because you can't be somewhere else. Right. <laughs> you the, know,
1: the, the past and the future don't exist. <laughs> right. True. It's Time just now really exists. It's just all you have really right now is now. And I think that that is such a crucial thing that you are taking women through because especially when, when we're talking about purpose, right. Or identity, we, want to look at those as something to achieve in the future because we come from a society where it's about achievement. It's about what's next, what's next, what's next. Right. And, and we miss out on what is happening right now. Your purpose is here. It's, it's in this moment and you're getting to choose it. Mm-hmm. You want to live in it now or do you want to keep pushing it, uh, you know, five years in the future? And then that five years never happens because you're always, it's always ahead of you. It's not here.
0: Yeah. One of the, one of the stories I talk about a lot is like when I finished my surgical residency. So this is a culmination of 15 years, right? Four years of undergrad, four years of medical school. Actually, I was six years undergrad because I did community college for two years. So six years of undergrad mm-hmm. plus a baby, four years of medical school, five years of residency. And so then I got this job and I'm making money and I'm supposed to be happy because I'd been working. You know, I had this like singular purpose. I mean, you know, when we were doing some of the, some energy work and, you know, somebody put their hand in front of my head and they say, God, there's like a horn coming out of her head because I was so focused on finishing medical school and residency. That's all I could think about. So once it was done, I had this huge letdown, like, well, what's next? And I had no, like, I mean, I was operating and it was great and, you know, eh, but I had no sense of purpose anymore. And I, I was aimless probably for a good, I want to say probably nine years until I, until I, yeah, I just kind of, you know, I just kind of existed. And, um, you know, and during that time, my son had some more challenges. He had, um, um, he had like a seizure disorder that gave him, you know, he almost, he he'd almost died a couple of times, fell down and, you know, so, so I had things that were happening that were keeping me, you know, focused on having to do stuff, but still I didn't have a sense of good identity. I was completely out of alignment with, with who I am. And, and I was just kind of going through the motions until, until I thought, you know, actually it wasn't until menopause hit. And then I started looking at it, like, where's the help? where's the help for women in menopause because i like looked and there was like no, there was nothing i mean there was there's a lot of information out there and you can get all the information but none of it is none of it is like coherent and i'm a doctor <laughs> And I was like, wait a minute. And then people were saying, well, you'll lose the weight after menopause. And I'm like, well, I don't want to wait that long. I mean, menopause can last for 20 years. What am I going to be fat for the rest of my life? No, I got to figure out how to do this now. You know, so, so that's, that's when I thought, I thought, you know, I saw this, this opportunity to help other women. And that's, that's kind of how, and that's when I started feeling more purpose. And then, and then I kind of got on the spiritual path and whatnot, but in terms of, you know, helping women find a purpose before their menopause, how, how do you, you know, where can people find you to come and work with you to, to, to kind of get, get an idea of where their purpose is?
1: Um, They can find me anywhere, either Instagram or Facebook or YouTube at the Royal Shaman. Um, my website's Royal also the Royal, the Royal Shaman.com. And the interesting thing about, about purpose and it being something that we think is something that's ahead, what I really encourage people to do is understand that our spirit, our higher self, is constantly, multiple times a day, giving us the opportunity to get back on track it's only for us to open our eyes open our perspective and begin to speak the language of our own spirit in order to be able to see what that purpose is and you gave such a perfect example of doing that because it was when you hit this is really what i what i teach people is When you have certain things happen in your life that that ding your awareness, that come into your awareness, that sh- kind of shocks you, the challenges that we're facing present us an opportunity to live in our purpose. You can't yeah. take your way to purpose. You have to actually move the mind out of the way and allow, allow your spirit to be the one that's that's driving you and especially for women your intuition doesn't die just because you're going into menopause or just because you're you know you're you're pregnant or whatever that's our unique gift that we come with and that by itself can get you on track to you your know. purpose yeah you know it's it's
0: really interesting because uh, the a whole other side of that is learning how to recognize what your emotions are trying to tell you. And we don't have time mm-hmm. to go into that today, but I do, would like to invite you back onto the podcast to discuss that because one of the things that I think we're, we're just in America, especially we're sorely missing is uh, an understanding of what emotion is and what it's trying to tell us and, and, and how to use our emotions to guide our lives.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh, that would be a great topic. I'm happy yeah. to come back. And yeah, I'd love to have you back for that. Dive into that. That'd be awesome.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much for coming on, Makosi. And, um, you know, if you guys have any questions for her, send me an, an email, Dr. Gordon at So thanks. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. Did you know that menopause is not a medical condition? Most doctors don't know this either. I like to say that menopause is the privilege of a long life, and to really take hold of our lives in menopause, we have to unlearn what society and the medical establishment has told us about menopause. Thanks so much for being a part of the menopause movement.